During the pandemic, with distancing enforced on everyone, we had to find new ways to connect with family and celebrate the holidays. And for us, like I think many others, Zoom was what we chose to use. In fact, I remember on my mom's birthday last year that we were doing a Zoom birthday party, and my young daughter Evelyn decided she wanted her own Zoom video feed. So she took her school-supplied Chromebook and she took it up to her bedroom. And a few minutes later, we saw. This on our screen. Can you see there? It says reconnecting, but can you spot what's wrong? It's spelt incorrectly. Reconnecting has two ends. You see, my daughter was smart enough at Zoom to know she could go in and change her name and turn her camera off. But unfortunately, when she changed her name to reconnecting, she spelt it wrong, and it was a dead giveaway that she was in fact still there. Absolutely hilarious. Well, welcome to our Christmas Eve services here at Chapel Hill. My name's Ellis. I am one of the pastors here. We're really glad to have you here with us, and I'm even more grateful that this Christmas I get to spend it with my family in person. They are here. I get to be physically present with them rather than seeing them on the other side of a screen. And let me tell you, being physically present with someone is so much better than any other. Option and and honestly, this is the central message of Christmas. It's the story that was almost told by those kids on that video. We'll figure that out before tomorrow, I'm sure.、Uh, it's the story that we've heard in the songs all night long. It's the story that our God did not want to remain physically distant from us, but came to us face to face in the person of Jesus. And in the two accounts that we have of that first Christmas, written by Jesus's followers, one of them is by a man named Matthew, who sums it up with these words. This is what he says: All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God. With us, the story of Christmas is a story that our God did not remain physically distant from us, but came to be physically present with us in the person of His Son, Jesus Christ. You know, for two years I've been waiting to see my family face to face. We've spoken every single week on Zoom or FaceTime. We've sent texts and photos and cards and gifts, but we've not been physically present with each other for two years. And it's been hard. And I know I'm not the only one. Many of you have experienced this too with your friends and family. And you've been waiting. You've been you've been longing to see them. You've been holding out to see them. And I've been doing that too. And then last Friday, I got to go to the airport, and I got to see my mum in person. We hugged, we cried, and then two days later, I got to go and do it all over again as I picked up my sister. I got a video actually of picking up my sister, and this time I got to bring the the kids with me, and 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 they were. I can't tell you the level of excitement in the car on the way up was unbelievable. And then here it is, this blissful moment of being reunited after two years apart. So beautiful. Two years is a long time, but the people of God, living at the time that Jesus was born, have been waiting a lot longer 
for God's coming to them. And Matthew is quoting here from the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah lived over 400 years before Jesus was born. 400 years since this prophecy that, that God would come and be with his people. That means God's people have spent 400 years waiting for God to come to them face to face. 400 years of longing and hoping and holding out. And then on that very first Christmas night, God came. Emmanuel, God with us. And he didn't come when they were necessarily ready, when they had a chance to prepare for his arrival. I mean, we spent a whole week cleaning and preparing for my mum to arrive. Well, I say we, but that's the royal we. My incredible wife, Rachel, spent a whole week cleaning and preparing for my mum to arrive because we wanted to be ready for her arrival, right? And my mum's a clean freak. Sorry if I outed you there, mum. But as every wife knows, there's nothing like having your mother-in-law to stay to get you to do a deep clean of the house. Am I right? Anyone been preparing for Santa's arrival on Christmas Eve? Any kids been preparing for Santa's arrival? Yeah? Any mums and dads been preparing for Santa's arrival? Yeah, know what I mean. This week, my wife asked one of our colleagues how she was handling childcare for her 12-year-old and six-year-old sons during winter break. She said, I just left them at home and I told them, Santa's watching you, so you better be good. Another colleague overheard this and she said, ha, I just told my kids the internet's on and here's your iPad. I think we all know the lyrics to the second verse of Santa Claus is coming to town, right? Do you know those ones? We're going to put them on the screen. Why don't you sing them along with me? He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. See what this verse is telling us? It's telling us we've got to be ready for Santa's arrival. Why? Because he's been watching us. He sees all that we've been doing. He knows if we've been bad and he knows if we've been good. And if we've been good, what do we get, kids? That's right, presents. And if we've been bad, what do we get? Coal, yeah. So we better be good, am I right? You see, the people of God living 2,000 years ago when Jesus was born, they believed something very similar about God's coming. That when God came to them, he would come for the good people. And so the religious leaders of that time, they spent all of their life trying to make sure that they were good. They followed all the rules, making sure that they were clean, that their lives were, were free from sin, and that they'd be ready for God's arrival. But when Jesus came, he didn't come directly to the people who were prepared for him. I mean, there wasn't even a bed for Jesus when he came. He went to sleep that first night in an animal feeding trough. That's how unprepared they were. And the first guests who greeted Jesus after his birth weren't the religious leaders who'd been working so hard to prepare for Jesus' arrival, carefully making sure their lives were clean and, and, and they could be acceptable to him. No, Jesus' first guests were dirty social outcasts, shepherds. Jesus didn't wait for people to clean up their lives before he came. He comes right into the middle of the mess. And do you know what that means? It means Jesus isn't like Santa. Santa only comes for the good people. But Jesus, he comes for the bad people. 
And do you know why that's good news? Because we've all been bad people. Frequently when I ask my youngest Ezra to do something that he really doesn't like, doesn't want to do, like pick up his toys or stop shouting at his sister or stop pulling the dog's tail, he says to me something like, but I can't do it. It's just too hard. It's impossible to be good all the time. And although I might get a little frustrated in the moment, I think Ezra understands a really important part of what it means to be human. We can't be good all the time. We're all bad on occasion. But here's the good news. Jesus didn't come for the good people. He came for the bad people, like me and like you. In the verse right before the one that I read earlier, we find the words of an angel who appeared to announce Jesus' birth. He said this, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus came not just to be with us in the midst of our sin, our, our bad actions and thoughts and words, but he came to save us from it. Jesus wasn't looking for a people who already had it all together. He was looking to, to save a people who knew they didn't have it all together. And later in his life, when he died on the cross, he took all of that bad stuff, all of that sin upon himself, taking the punishment that we deserved. And in turn, we got the life, the new life that he alone deserved. Three days later, after his death, Jesus rose to that new life too. And although he now lives in heaven, one day Jesus will come back to renew this whole world so that those who follow him can live that new life together, free from all of the bad that we have in the world right now. No more sickness, no more disease, no more virus, no more death, no more mourning, no more crying. The very last book of the Bible describes what that will be like. It says this, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. One day, we will be with God again, face to face. He will live with us and we will live with him on a new earth. An earth where we can't quite believe that everything sad is going to come untrue, as Sam Ganji says to Gandalf. No longer will we only be able to meet with God through prayer or, or through worship or, or through participating in his church, but we will see God face to face, just like the shepherds on that very first Christmas. Nothing hindering us from God's presence. Just like there's nothing stopping me from seeing my family right now. No distance, no, no virus. One day there'll be nothing separating us from God, just as it was on the first Christmas. But we all have a choice to make. Do we want to be with God or not? You see, although Matthew quotes from the prophet Isaiah, he actually changes one word in his quotation. Isaiah originally wrote, she shall call his name Emmanuel, as in the mother of the child. But Matthew writes, they shall call his name Emmanuel. 
This wasn't a mistake. Matthew did this deliberately because the they that Matthew talks about is us. Every single one of us who has decided to call Jesus Emmanuel. We are all invited to decide whether or not we want to be a part of that group of people, the they that Matthew writes about, the group of people who believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. We are all invited to decide whether we're gonna believe Jesus is God come to dwell with us, to rescue us, and to one day return to renew us along with all things. I know everyone's here tonight for many different reasons. And some of you have already made that decision to believe that Jesus is God. And you've come to worship him and experience his presence with us by his spirit. But some of you maybe came here tonight for a different reason. Maybe you came because it was tradition. It's what you do every year. Maybe you were dragged here by a family member. If you did, thanks for being a good sport. For whatever reason, you're sitting here tonight. I think there are many in this place who haven't yet really decided whether they believe that Jesus is God in the flesh. And I wonder if tonight you might want to make up your mind on that issue. And if you do, it changes everything. Because if you believe that God came in the flesh, in the person of Jesus, that he came to rescue you, that he came to give you new life, then that means you have a new life to live. It means you have a mission to be part of. Because God chooses to make his presence known today through his people, the church. And if you choose to believe that Jesus is God with us and entrust your life to him, you become a part of his people. You become a part of the church. A group of people who just like you don't have it all together, but are called to be a part of the process of renewing this world alongside God of loving our neighbor, of caring for the poor and the sick, of sharing the good news about Jesus in word and deed, of living out God's purpose for our lives. And there is nothing more exciting than living God's purpose for your life. And so tonight, if you're maybe feeling a tug on your heart saying, I need to make up my mind on this, I need to get off the fence, then I wanna give you the opportunity to respond. And the way you can respond to God's invitation to you is simply to pray. And you can pray three simple words. Sorry, thank you, and please. Sorry, Father, that I've ignored you. I've gone my own way. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to rescue me. Please, Holy Spirit, send your presence to guide and to lead me. And so we're going to take some time to pray right now. I wonder if everyone would mind closing their eyes and bowing your heads. And I'm just going to give a moment of silence for us to reflect. Maybe tonight you're sensing that call in a way you haven't done before. And you're sensing the need to respond and to say, yes, I believe Jesus is is God in the flesh. And I want to follow him. I want to give my life to him. So let's just take a second. And now if that's you, I wonder if you'd pray silently in your heart along with me as I pray that simple prayer. Sorry, thank you, please. 
Sorry, Father, that I've ignored you and gone my own way. Thank you, Jesus, for coming to me and and saving me and rescuing me. Please, Holy Spirit, send your presence to guide and to lead me from now on and forever. Now, with with all eyes closed, if, if there's anyone here who prayed that prayer tonight for the first time, I wanna invite you to do something courageous. I wanna invite you to slip your hand up into the air because I want to pray for you. All the eyes are closed in the room, but if you prayed that prayer, put your hand up. Yes, I see that hand there. Is there anyone else? Because I wanna pray for you tonight. I wanna pray for this new life that Jesus has given you. Let's pray right now. Father, I thank you for those in this room who have decided tonight to make a new life, a new start in Jesus. Would you empower them with your spirit? Would you seal into them the work that you are doing? Would you renew them and help them to know the new life that they have in Jesus Christ? I pray this in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, if you did pray that prayer, I would love to connect with you because I've, I've got a gift to give you. So if you come to the wood wall at the back after this service, I'd, I'd love to give you that gift. And, and I'd love to invite those of you who prayed that prayer and those of you who, who didn't, who are still like, I don't know about all this stuff. I'm, I'm not sure about this Jesus Christianity and all that. If you're, you're just in that place of wondering, you've got questions, come try Alpha. You heard about it earlier. It is a safe place, judgment-free for you to explore faith with open-minded people. chapelhillpc.org slash alpha to find out more. Well, we're gonna close our service tonight with some candle lighting. Don't light them yet. It's so good to be together, isn't it? To be able to come together in the worship of Jesus. And uh, maybe someday we would be able to uh, light real candles, may, maybe next year. This year, though, we're going to continue to pass the Christi- Christmas light electronically. So, But you're good sports. We're going to come down, and as we lean our lit candle to you, we'd invite you to turn your candle on and then pass it down. Mom and Dad, you, you might need to help with this a little bit. So let's join together in the passing of the Christmas light.